the past few years, I've watched the Boston Dynamics videos. You know, the ones with the robots that are getting to be more and more like humans and now doing gymnastics and dancing. And there's a humanoid robot, and then there is Spot, the dog-like robot. And I love watching the videos. Uh, it's interesting to me, though, uh, that uh, what we love about the robot is that it is more and more like a human. It can do things that human does. It's got two arms, two legs, and even when it's doing gymnastics and dancing, what we're impressed with is how much it can do what we can do, or in some cases do something better than what we can do. And then I find it interesting that the other robot form is like a dog. Now, I think a lot about how much I'd like the robot, uh, the humanoid robot, to have a, more of a brain. Put ChatGPT in it as a brain, and you know now we start to have a, a robot more and more like something from the Jetsons. Uh, this all starts to seem a little bit like Wizard of Oz to me, right? I love the robot. I want it to have a brain, and then, of course, I want it to have a heart after that. Uh, but my point here is a bit more just the concept that what we're so interested in with these videos is how human-like the robot can be. Boston Dynamics doesn't seem to be building robots that have real specific tasks, things that they can do better than a human being. They're building a robot that looks like us, that is doing a lot of things that we can do. There's a metaphor there. There's, there's a philosophy there that I want to talk about in this podcast, uh, which the title is The AI World in Our Own Image. And I really want to challenge that. I want to challenge the fact that we use ourselves as a measuring stick for machine intelligence, right? For AI, for robotics, for anything. And I find this philosophical because with the growing AI toolbox today, we too often seek to just replicate what we can do as human beings as, as if that is the highest benchmark for achievement. It is not. I mean, we're actually quite arrogant about when we build technology and judge it, that we're doing it in our own image. Uh, in fact, just think about what we named it. We named it artificial intelligence. It's not real because only our intelligence is real. Ergo, any kind of machine intelligence must be artificial. Again, philosophically, I want you to think about the arrogance at which we view these new and powerful technologies we're getting. And, and the biggest aspect of that arrogance is that we seek to try to make AIs and make robots that are like us. And we constantly ask ourselves these questions of, when will an AI be as smart as a human? I think that's something that we need to look at realistically, philosophically, because the reality is we don't want machines to be just as good as us. We actually seek to build machines that are better than us. And that's something that I'd love to explore. Now, let's get realistic about humans as an entity or as a life form. We are not the strongest. We're not the strongest life form by any means. There are animals that are much stronger than us. We can build robots that are much stronger than us. Uh, we are not the most consistent or dependable, not even close. I mean, obviously, a piece of software or machine is much more consistent or dependable than we are. But I mean, this goes on and on. We're not the smartest. Machines can learn faster than us. They can know more than us. We can't even claim that we are smarter than the machine machines in a lot of cases today. We learn slowly. It takes years and years, generation upon generation, for us to learn 
AIs are not learning that slowly. They can access massive amounts of information for them to learn, a volume of information we can't even hope to be able to digest, and it can digest that information at incredibly fast pace. Hey, we're not the hardest working. We only work for a certain amount of time a day, and in fact, a lot of humanity is trying to work less and less, right? whereas a machine can work 24-7. We are high maintenance as human beings. We're high maintenance. We have physical needs. We have emotional needs. We have financial needs. We have lots of needs, right? We're high maintenance when it comes to actually getting things done. We're really not that good at ethics. We have all kinds of different ethics all over the world. We can't agree on any one set of ethics. And even if we did agree on one set of ethics, we are terrible at actually adhering to the ethics. If ethics are programmed into a piece of software or if a piece of software learns its own ethics, they would be much more consistent than what human beings would be with ethics. And we, we often even fail to really care about finding the truth, the truth with a capital T. I mean, one of the central things about life, in my opinion, that constant search for the truth with a capital T. And many human beings could care less about this. They're just surviving. They're not seeking any kind of truth. Or if they are, many times they try to find that truth in the wrong places or follow the wrong truth sayers. We kill each other. I mean, think about that. I mean, there are animals that kill each other as well in some cases, but generally for good reason like they need to eat. We just kill each other out of violence, right? For almost no reason. And we don't just kill one, we kill as many as we can kill sometimes when people go on killing sprees. We don't respect laws, even good ones. Now, I'll stop there. And I'm not trying to portray the human race as something that is absolutely horrible. I'm trying to make a point about when we say we want to make machines be like us, as if we are the high bar, we need to be a bit realistic about the fact that we are not necessarily the high bar for intelligence, the high bar for consciousness, right? the high bar for physical capabilities. We are not the high bar for anything. We are just arrogant about the high bar we think we set. Now, you know me. I always try to be fair and look at many sides of an argument. You know, on the good side, human beings, we are absolutely addicted to progress and to achievement and to growth, right? For, so for most of us, we are always seeking to move forward, to be better, to make the world a better place. We are curious. We, we do want to learn. We do want to understand why. And it's that curiosity that has driven us forward for thousands of years. We are resilient. Yes, we hit hard times. We had brutally hard times, you know, as a society, as individuals. We are generally very resilient. We learn from our mistakes and we come back. We are very creative and innovative. We often can see white space and uh, see how to do something new. We are relational. We care about relationships with each other. And in most cases, we care about trying to build good and healthy relationships. We have emotions. That is a very hard concept to replicate in a machine, right? But we have emotions. We feel and we share those feelings and those feelings are important to us. They're important right, to, to our level of consciousness. We are intuitive. We we can take in huge amounts of data and synthesize it and process it and make very quick intuitive decisions that often might be the correct decision. I could go on. So as human beings, we are very much a mixed bag. Uh, there are things that today on this earth, we might set the high bar, and then there are many things where we don't. So I'm just trying to make sure we level set in all fairness this concept of judging things against ourselves. Now, a big driver of why we believe AI and other technologies should be designed like us or do what we can do is 
we struggle to see the world as it could be versus the world as it is. For most of us, other humans are all we have ever known. I mean, uh, the high bar for intelligence are the smartest people that we have known or that we have seen. And so we very much as human beings just struggle to be able to see a world as it could be or see something as it could be versus what we has always seen it as. We carry what is common to us forward without really thinking about what might be a better version. Now, that's why we form habits. It's why we might do things over and over and over again that are unhealthy to us. Right? We become comfortable with our habits. We become comfortable with what is known. Sometimes trying to see into the white space and see what is unknown is not only difficult for us, it can be frightening for us. But when it comes to digital, right, digital transformation and digital things. I want you to think about the concept of skeuomorphism, right? If you're not familiar with skeuomorphism, it's a design model where for many years we carried forward the physical world into the digital because it was easier to mimic what we already knew in the physical world than to utilize the new capabilities that digital had to give us advantages. For example, if we wanted to put a clock into the digital world, we took, we, we made it a picture of a physical clock. If we had a calendar, we made it a picture on the screen of what a physical calendar looked like. We didn't start with saying, well, what would be the best way to tell time? What would be the best way to mark time over days and weeks and months, right? Skeuomorphism is all about carrying forward things that we are comfortable with from the physical world into the digital, regardless of the fact that there might be a completely different user interface in the digital world. And again, skeuomorphism is just an example of how we carry forward what's familiar as opposed to asking ourselves, what could digital give us that is better than anything we've ever seen before. Now, new philosophical ideas, right? And this, this is another podcast in a series about digital philosophy. New philosophical ideas, like the idea that we should seek to build machines that are better than us. We don't need to build machines that are the high bar, that we are the high bar, right? New philosophical ideas like this require us to retire old ways of thinking, right? It requires us to break out of the chains of prior knowledge. Our past history is all we have ever seen and experienced, and this is what helps create that arrogance of humanity. We know people. We know what we can do. We tell ourselves over and over again that the brain is the finest computing device in the entire universe when we have no idea what is in the entire universe. So it isn't easy to break out of everything we've always known to be able to see a world that could be completely different, but I want to give that a whirl. I, I, I want you for a moment to just philosophically accept that humans are not the state of the art. Now, if we were to meet aliens that were much more powerful than us, we would immediately understand how something could be more advanced and capable than we are. We, we may have just met that alien intelligence with the new AI engines, but I want you to just picture this. Aliens who are older than us or just became more advanced than us, right, they come down to Earth and we meet them. And they are physically more powerful than us. They are intellectually more powerful than us. They know more than what we know. Right? Immediately when we meet these, A, we would be scared of them. You, you, you've seen every science fiction movie that the aliens are here to destroy us or take us over or eat us, right? But let's just imagine these aliens are not here to do any of that. These aliens are just passing through and they decided they would stop and say hello. But when we meet these aliens and we see them, we're like, hey, wait a minute. They are twice as smart as we are, right? They're twice as strong as we are. They have twice the ability 
to be empowered with technology as we are. In that instant, our model of humans, you know, as the state of the art is gone, and we would more easily understand what technology could be. So I want to just spend the rest of the podcast kind of taking apart a little bit. What if we did build technology not to our ideal, but we built it to the ideal? Can we even imagine Can we even see what that ideal might be when it's not filtered through our narrow kind of human-minded homo sapien eyes, right? There is an alternate universe where we seek to build technology tools that are better than us. They're purpose-built for any specific task. They are specifically designed to be able to do things in a safer way than we could do them. AIs that are built to make more intelligent decisions than we would make, with ethics built into them that are better than or at least more consistent than any ethics that a human being would have. I mean, let's just think about that alternative universe for a second. I mean, let's think about an alternative universe where when a when a fire has to be fought, we don't send human beings into a burning building with the chance of dying with their very minimal ability to be able to see in to the heat or be able to survive in temperatures that are high or survive in smoke-filled rooms. I mean, let's just imagine a world where we can just send in firefighting robots who don't have to deal with any of those, who would be much better at fighting the fire than us, or construction bots that can lift way more than us, can do a repetitive task over and over again with a precision that humans can't generally do. I mean, a world where we have construction bots that can build anything better than a human, faster than a human, with without having any risk of physical damage. Or let's switch over to decision-making, right? Uh, imagining a, an alternate alternate universe where we have all kinds of AI engines that make decisions for us. And, and these AIs rely on huge bases of data to be able to make these decisions. And they learn from every decision that they make that is wrong. And none of these AIs ever die, and we lose all that knowledge. No, no, no. These AIs live forever. So they gain knowledge, gain knowledge, gain knowledge. They get smarter all the time and never go away. And by the way, these AIs all talk to each other just like we talk to each other, just they talk to each other much faster. And so they're able to gain intelligence at a pace we never could as human beings, right? Just imagine that alternative world. And I'd like to put some words on some of this. So imagine where we can create what I'll call proto-intelligence and proto-worker bots, just because we got to put words on something, right? So I'm just saying proto-intelligence, right, or super-intelligence, all right, but I'll say proto-intelligence for our purposes of just AIs that are far past what our brains, or especially any one of our brains, is able to do. And and proto-worker bots, whether those are virtual bots or physical bots, right, these are robots or bots that can do tasks over and over and over again on our behalf, right, two different things. And And I'd like to kind of take those separately and talk about them for just a second. Now, they will clearly operate differently than our biologically limited brains and our biologically limited bodies. They will work differently than us, not better or worse. Let's set that aside just differently than us. We're not going to hold them to the standard of being just as good as us. We will hold them to a standard of being as good as they can possibly be at any specific task. And when we release technologies to be their optimum versus being human like, we'll surpass some critical limitations that that we put on them mentally. Uh, We will be able to accept that, yep, machines are going to be better than us at many tasks and many types of decision making. Are they just better than us, period? No, it's not about better or worse. It's not about they replace, they don't replace. It's about they augment, they augment. So let's look at the two concepts separately. And so let's take the uh, proto-worker bots first. Again, I mentioned that these could be physical or virtual 
virtual. We already are building virtual bots with RPA systems, where you already build physical robots that do tasks like welding in a in a manufacturing plant, right? Or mow the lawn or do the vacuuming at our house, right? So, I mean, we've got robots. Uh, so these protobots, and I just call them protobots because they are able to do anything a human do much better, faster, safer, with more precision. Now think about construction. Let's think about law enforcement. Let's think about doing surgery. Let's think about doing fishing out on the ocean. Let's think about doing landscaping, loading baggage, driving any type of vehicle, plane, boat, truck. Now let's think about all those that I just listed are physical tasks that human beings do. And every single one of those has some danger to it, some physical constraints that we have. Think about construction. Let's go back through the list. In construction, human beings can only lift so much weight. But when you do construction, oftentimes we're dealing with bricks, like we're dealing with very heavy things, right? That it's dangerous for humans to try to lift or even be around. Think about the fact that somebody who does construction can only do it for a certain amount of hours a day, only in certain kinds of weather, right? Where as a machine, it doesn't matter. It can work 24-7 in just about any weather, can lift just about anything. You get what I'm going. We can build construction bots, and we already are, that can far surpass what humans can do. In law enforcement, we have danger. We have danger in the need to process huge amounts of information and make mission-critical decisions in an instant. We can build bots that are law enforcement bots. Obviously, we already are building robots that are like bomb disposal robots or robots that we can use in, uh, you know, to engage a a situation where somebody's got a gun and they're holding hostages. But we can do much more, right, to provide a law enforcement bot. Surgery, we already have bots that are starting to be able to do surgery. We just get better and better and better that they can do them more precisely, more safely, and that they get smarter and smarter and smarter about making the decisions they got to make while they're doing the the surgery, right? So again, we can go through all kinds of these physical tasks and what we can say to ourselves is, yeah, I get it. We're going to be able to to develop proto-worker bots. Now, virtual bots are already replacing human tasks in the digital world when we talk about RPA, things like moving data between systems. So it's not just the physical bots that are going to become important. There will be hundreds or thousands of proto-worker virtual bots in every organization that are helping to move data, helping to run processes, run operations. They will work 24-7. They don't need to get paid. They never get tired. They never forget what they're supposed to do. They can learn faster than any human, and they can easily be replaced if they ever get injured and destroyed. Any bot can be replaced if it gets injured or destroyed much less expensively and less dramatically than if a human gets injured or destroyed. Now, bots will not replace every single task that humans do. Look, there are certain types of work where human discretion or a human connection is preferred. I've thought a lot about this, like hairstyle, you know, hairstyling or massage or high-end chefery or making art, right? Any of those are things, could you build a bot to do them? Sure. But are people going to prefer getting their haircut from a human that they can talk to and that, uh, you know, they can make slight adjustments to on the fly and feel more comfortable, right, interacting with a human? Sure. It may be that even though you can build a robot that you can go stick your head under and you can get a, a $6 automated haircut, there will only be a certain amount of guys that will probably do that, right? The rest of the world will still want to interact with, uh, with a human that can help with that because it's an artistic process when you're doing hair styling. Same thing 
thing with a massage. Are you going to be able to get under a robot and get a massage? Sure. And that'll be a pretty inexpensive massage. But there also will always be a place for people who want to get massage from a human being for various reasons. So, cooking. Yeah, can we make uh, bots that can actually make food at a restaurant at high speed? Sure. But there will always be place for a human doing high-end chefry, right, where the human is using their discretion to do interesting things with ingredients or make adjustments or, you know, get the meal to be just right uh, for the people who are eating it. So I, I, I say all this just so we can finish this conversation on the proto-worker bots, right? That we are not going to build them to be two arms and two legs and to be just like us so that it ends up being, as I mentioned before, like the Jetsons. We're going to build purpose proto-worker bots that are designed to look completely different than us, to do specific things. And then in some cases, we'll build them so that we can co-work with them. In other cases, there will be certain tasks that we do forever where we value a human being doing it. All right, now let's switch over to talking about proto-intelligence. And one of the things I really want to make sure I say before I start talking about proto-intelligence is it is difficult today to imagine a world where machines and AIs take over, but our future selves are going to look back at today and think that we were in the dark ages. And, and the reason is our future selves are going to look back and say, I can't believe you did those tasks physically with your two arms and two legs, and you had all those safety issues and all those constraints when you tried to do these things physically. Our future selves are going to say, we can't believe that you tried to make all those decisions on your own, or that you tried to solve those problems on on your own with your own minds. That's it. Just your own mind? That had to have been terrible. I mean, that's what our future selves will say. They will say, yeah, it was like the dark ages back in 2020s, right? When people still use too much human to try to get things done. It would be much like, as an analogy today, how we look back at a time when you had to use a horse and a carriage to get everywhere or a horse to pull a wagon. And we say, man, that is so dark ages or so I can't believe that people had to have horses to get anywhere. Now that we have a world with cars, trucks, planes, trains, ships. Right? Our future selves will look back and they'll feel much the same. All right, proto-intelligence, uh, which I like, by the way, in a lot better than calling things AI. I just have never liked artificial intelligence as wording. Proto-intelligence I like quite a bit better or machine intelligence, right? Uh, a proto-intelligence is going to include all kinds of different flavors of machine intelligence, fully and partially automated, human involved, human not involved, uh, self-learning, static, cognitive, you know, basic AIs, right? I mean, there, there will be a, a cornucopia of flavors of AI engines. And we will use a lot of these in our personal lives and we will use a huge amount of them in the economy. Now, these proto-intelligence will not think like us because they don't need to think like us. They will think like they need to think in order to achieve whatever their mission is. They will learn faster and better than us, uh, which means they'll solve problems and make improvements faster than us. We don't need a, a general AI, right? We talk about artificial general AI, right? Or general artificial AI. And, and that seems to be like some bar we're trying to meet when an AI uh, can think across as broad many topics as a human brain. And uh, I heard somebody the other day say what I've said for years, I don't think there's any big companies out there trying to build an AI that mimics the human brain. We're building AIs that do specific things better than any one human, better than a hundred humans added together. So we are not seeking to build a proto-intelligence that mimics the human brain. We're seeking to build proto-intelligence that are better than the way a human might solve a problem or do a task. That's what we're really building. So they will not replace us. They will augment and 
amplify us. They will solve problems that we've never been able to solve. Yes, they will find cures that we've never been able to find on our own. They'll serve us. They will not seek to harm us. They will automate processes and allow us to be more productive and efficient if that's what we choose. Likely, we'll be able to work less if that's what we choose because we'll be highly efficient. When you have proto-intelligences helping us make decisions and we got proto-worker bots doing the physical tasks. When it comes to proto-intelligence, even more than the physical side, this is an interesting philosophy that we have to understand. We do not need to try to make an AI that is like the human brain. We already are making AIs that are better than a human brain at solving specific things. In fact, I, I believe in the future, we'll, we'll just in society, we will have proto-intelligences that will help us with things as human as life coaching, healthcare consults, counseling, right? Which today we would say, oh, you got to have a human for that. But I think in the future, half of, half of the life coaching, half of the healthcare consults, half of the counseling will be done by a proto-intelligence. The other half will be done by humans. And we'll choose based on what it is that we want when it comes to advice. We'll have a choice. Like we can have the human connection when we do these things, or we can have a proto-intelligence that's got vast capabilities, or we can have the best of both worlds. A human that is using a proto-intelligence to help us with life coaching, counseling, healthcare consults, things like that. And I would dare say that in the future, this ability to have proto-intelligences that can advise us in areas like this will help us be healthier, help us be happier. And I'm not saying that because I'm just the digital optimist and I got rose-colored glasses. I'm saying that because I it is easy for me to play out where a proto-intelligence goes and how it can be used as a tool for good, how it will be able to take years and years, hundreds of years of knowledge and experience and get that all into a proto-intelligence that either can talk to us and help us with our issues, or it can talk to whoever we're consulting with, right? And it can amplify their ability to help us. Now, if I crossed a line, I'm just waiting for when I've crossed a line with you and you say, oh no, you're just being blindly optimistic at this point, right? You're, you're Maybe you're somebody who you're listening to this now and you're like, ah, I still see a lot of dystopia. I still see the proto-intelligences taking over and trying to get rid of us. Like, I, I, I've seen every movie you've seen. I get the dystopia. I also have a lot more faith in humanity that when we build tools, uh, we will figure out ways to make sure that the tools can't take over and rid the world of human beings. You can bring up the analogy all you want of nuclear power and nuclear weapons. The reality is, at least to this point, we have not eradicated the human race with nuclear weapons. In fact, the higher use of nuclear has been nuclear power plants, which agreed a couple of power plants have had problems. But generally, there are many power plants all over the world that have done, that have created power for, uh, you know, decades that was very healthy power compared to coal, compared to other types of power generation. So all in all, we've harnessed, you know, the splitting of atoms in, in a much more positive way than we have negative. And by the way, let us not forget that the most negative use of that weapon was by the United States. Now, I say all this, I don't see the world through dystopian eyes. I'm aware of what the dangers are, but I also don't see the world as utopia. I try to see the world as protopia, right? Protopia. I love that concept. I think that's a much better way to look at the world. I look 
look at the world in an optimistic way that we will learn to use these tools uh, to benefit us. It may take time, but we will. So I don't see a world that has no problems with AI or with robotics or machines. I just see a world where the digital tools, when we unleash them from trying to be just like us, they actually give us a, a better shot at solving problems we haven't been able to solve before because they can think more, better, powerfully than we do, and they can do more physical activities than we could do. So let's sum it up. Right? To get there, to get to the protopia world I see, we got to release the arrogance of thinking that we're the state of the art. Right? We have to just release that. Technology can be more in some areas, and we can be optimistic about the days coming where that technology can be more than what we can do, and that that amplifies our capability. We need not fear that a machine is going to be able to do tasks better than us. We need not fear that that's going to ruin the economy, put us all out of jobs, or that the machine will decide to get rid of us. We do not need to fear that. What we need to do is just be conscious that when we unleash machines to be better than us, right, uh, or more capable than us might be a, a clearer way to say it, we will need to just be careful about our reliance on the machines and be careful as far as how the machines interpret the missions that we give them to do. We have for over a hundred years been automating things and been building mechanical and technological improvements that amplify us. We have for a hundred years built things that were stronger than us. Now we have the ability to build things that arguably are smarter than us. We did not build cars with two legs, right? We built them with four wheels. We did not build lawnmowers with two arms and clippers, right? We did not build planes with wings that flap, right? It's time to release those chains, right? as I said, that bind back, you know, what an AI or what a bot can be. And we should just be excited about what they can become when we allow them to be purpose-built. That's the philosophy that I really want you to think about now, is the philosophy of every time somebody makes a comment, you know, can we make something as good as the human brain? Can we make something that is like, as nimble as a human being? I want you to remember this philosophy of that's not the goal. The goal is to build technology that is better than us so that it can amplify us. That is a philosophy to think on. All right. Have a great Humology day, my friends. Hug a robot. Love an AI. You know, quit being arrogant about technology being like us. Right? Let's free technology to amplify humanity beyond where we are today because we can and that will be a good place to live. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklosowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change.